This year, we're going to focus our summer series on living our faith. That's a bit of a challenge. Easy to say, not quite so easy to do. And just because I'm up here doesn't mean I've cracked it. I'll just point that out. The word says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. We know that for the word of God to be fruitful and meaningful in our lives, it must find its way into our daily lives, practices, routines, relationships, and activities. It can't remain as something we simply listen to on a Sunday morning, or on a podcast, or reading in our daily readings. We've got to be doers of the word. You'll remember, hopefully, that one of our values as a church family is whole life discipleship. So that's not just Sunday morning for an hour and a half or two hours. That's the rest of the week as well. So how does that affect what we do every day? On a Monday morning? On a Thursday afternoon? Or a Tuesday evening? How do we live out our faith at those times as well as here? So our hope is that we'll be encouraged, all of us including me, and challenged and inspired to live out the word of God in day-to-day life. As you can see, we're in a slightly different format today. I don't know whether you find on church on a Sunday, you often see people and you say, how are you doing? Great. And move on before you've had an answer. So hopefully in your tables, you've got a chance, either before and afterwards, to be able to talk and get to know each other a bit better. And then at the end, as a prize, we've got some ice cream for you. Just if you're getting a bit warm. So, as I say, I have the privilege of kicking the series off, and we're looking at living our faith every day, as I said, not just on a Sunday morning. Now, some of you who've been here for some time will remember that we've done um, a series which I've called TTT, This Time Tomorrow, which essentially talks about, rather than just on a Sunday morning, what are we doing this time tomorrow at about 10 past 11, to try and get an idea of what life's really like, and not just in church. I think you'd all agree that personal stories generally have a good effect on us if we're listening. You can take on board what somebody says, you can identify with how they feel, the difficulties they may have, and hopefully have some encouragement from what they say. And I will say that not everybody's comfortable at speaking up here. So some people, when they see me coming, walk the other way. For some people, the timing's not right. But for some people, it is right. And often when I have a a list of people in mind that I want to speak to or to ask because they have maybe something interesting to say, it isn't the right timing for them. But in my experience, God brings the right people up. So just to make up for the fact that we haven't done this for a few months, I've got three for you today. They're all slightly different, but there are some similarities. And hopefully you'll find out a bit more about them. So without further ado, I'd like to invite up Becky, Becky Cook, if she's here. I'd like to give her a round of applause. Thank you. So, welcome, Becky. Thanks. Are you on? No. I probably need to turn it on, sorry. One, two. Did you choose mine? 
even better. Sorry, technical issue. Okay. Yep. Oh, good. Are you going to be all right? Okay, good. So, tell us what you're going to be doing around this time tomorrow. Uh, well, this time tomorrow I'll be in a meeting. Um, but for those of you who don't know, I am a senior lecturer at Aston University. Um, so I'm an academic um, and I teach product design, but my area is user-centered design. Um, so uh, user-centered design? User-centered design. So... If I'm a user, design centred around me. Uh, we're all, yeah, so design centred around people rather than just making it look pretty or do a function. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and part of an academic's job is we do teaching and we do research and then you do external engagement as well. So over the summer, everyone thinks we have it off, but we don't. Um, so tomorrow we are plant we're writing modules for next year. Um, and I'm also putting in a bit, we're putting... For, to get research funding, you uh, to do research, you have to get funding in. So we're putting in a big bid, I think, for a £2 million um, research bid. So we're writing our area and saying, this is what we want to research. This is an area that's never been researched. This is why we need your money to do it, basically. So they're the things I'll be doing in the morning. Okay. So is that fairly typical of a day? Uh, it, it ranges quite a lot, but specifically in like the, this is holiday season, so there's no students around, which is nice. Um, so that there's a lot more meetings, a lot more doing stuff. In term time, there's a, it's a lot more student focused, and you don't have as much time for everything else, really. I suppose not. And do you work full time? Uh, sort of. Well, at the moment, I'm working full time, but I'm using holiday to work three days. So I've that's only a really leading question because actually. <laughs> knowing what I know about you, you work full-time. I should rephrase that. Do you get paid full-time? Uh, at the moment, yes, but um, I am only work. I'm only in the office three days a week, okay. and then from September, I'll be in the office four days a week. Right, okay. Yeah. So how do you manage that balance between being at home with Ruben? Very small. Um, and at work? I think it's... Um, it's an interesting transition, I think. So we've, it was about two, two and a half months, three months ago I went back to work, for those of you who don't know. So it's an interesting transition. I use the word interesting. <laughs> Horrific might be the, the word. Uh, um, yeah, I think anyone who's done that transition of going from maternity leave back to work, it, it's not a pleasant thing. Um, it's, it's weird. Um, and I think particularly your confidence is really struggling. I don't know why. I don't know why, but for some reason, having a year off makes you suddenly feel really unconfident in everything you were before. And what can I add value? Well, they were doing this job without me, so surely this, uh, they don't need me anymore. What place do I have? What's happened? You know, there's all these questions that are just going around your head and you think, oh, I don't, I don't know where I fit anymore. So I think that's, that's a hard balance in itself. Rube, obviously, having a child and... Um, trying to fit work and that that's difficult so it's trying to work out how um how does part-time work for a job that doesn't work part-time um so I keep trying to find out other academics in the university that work part-time going how does it work and I go yeah it doesn't um <laughs> all, all you can do is do your research at evenings and weekends I was like well that's not part-time so I'll get paid less to do to do more to do more so right. yeah um so yeah we're I'm still battling with that really trying to work out how do we work this? How do we how mm. do we manage it? That's a challenge. Yeah. Okay, so that's maybe a little bit of a negative. Any any positives in the job still? Um, yeah, I'm sure there are. Okay. <laughs> uh, Can you think of any? <laughs> no, I think um, so. It's a really student centred role, which is nice. So I do a lot of pastoral care um, okay. with students, which is nice. You get students randomly turning up in your office and 
crying and I quite like that that's element. Nice. I know it sounds awful, doesn't it? But I'm like, right, let's talk. And that's really nice. It's lovely because we have quite a small course. So um, I get to know them. So, you, you know, you get to know their personalities and get to, and get to help them achieve what they want to achieve. And then by the end of the year when they graduate, like, you know, I don't know, you know what they desire, you know what they want to do with their life. And you, um, I don't know, it's, it's just a really nice to have built that relationship and understand them. Mm, mm. Um, so that's a good part. Research is great, like finding out new things that, you, that didn't exist that no one else knows. That's a nice feeling. Sure. Um, that's good. Um, and we have a lot of autonomy. Like academics, you're not really managed. You kind of just, you know, you do what you want, really. Um, <laughs> there's stuff you need to do, but you do it in your own time. It's a very flexible job. Um, so that's a nice element that you kind of manage yourself in your own time. Okay. And we've, you've obviously heard what I said at the beginning. How do you find, or do you find, that, that God is involved in that in terms of the interaction with your job and your faith? I think it's really hard. I think, um, I don't know. I, don't, I think I would like to think that God is involved in the way I deal with people at work, specifically difficult people. Um, and students, you know, like I try and be kind to students even when they're really irritating, when they're really, like they're lying to you and you still try and be kind to go, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'd like to think that that shows... Jesus in the way I behave um, and in the way I behave with other staff. But I, I think it's hard when you work in a non-religious job to see it in the day-to-day -day activities. I work with another Christian, but actually, do we ever really talk about it? No. It, I don't know that that actually makes any difference. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, don't, I, I, I struggle to see it sometimes, to be honest. I can understand that, and I think a lot of people would, would identify with that in that we take our faith with us, but it isn't always easy to make that a part of what's going on. No. I, I guess praying is, is a big thing if, you're, yeah. if you need that. But I quite often shut my office door. I'm very lucky to have my own office and then just uh, put worship music on. If that, I'm like, right, I think we need, we need just a bit of uh, spiritual input here into my office today. So that, that's yeah. a good way. But yeah, I, it, it's hard. It is, yeah. And I remember you saying when we spoke that you, you felt that God guided you into this particular position. Yeah. And he hasn't said to stop. So in some ways, there's still that flowing through of God's purpose in what you're doing so yeah. far. <laughs> I keep waiting for him to say stop. So, okay, we'll uh, left. Yeah. Oh, left. <laughs> if right. anyone has a word on that, that'd be great. Okay, um, okay. Right. Yeah, Just, yeah, I think it was a God-given position. It came at a really interesting time for us when me and Steve were uh, not quite engaged. We were about to get engaged. Um, and so I used to work in Loughborough, so I was away half the week and then... Um, this position came up, which meant as we got engaged and as we got married, I was here all week, which um, which is great, very helpful for building a marriage when you're around. Um, yeah, it uh, makes a yeah, big difference. Yeah, so that seemed seemed really good. Good, yeah. that's a plus. Okay, so how could we pray for you best? Um, I think in in this season, it's um, the difficulties are what, like I've said, about being confident, about feeling valued, about finding your place again, and understanding what what direction I need to go in and what. Is God calling me out? Where is he calling me to? Um, and if he's not, what is this about? Mm. We know, how do I make this work for me? What, what, what am I meant to be doing in this place? So that, I think for me at the moment, that's my biggest question um, and my biggest struggle. Mm -hmm. And obviously, as we said, the whole part-time balance, you know, how do you manage this without losing everything else outside of work as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Shall we pray for Becky while she's here? I'm conscious we've got three, but it would be good to take the opportunity. Please join me in prayer. Father, I thank you for Becky. Thank you for her honesty this morning. Thank you that you have your hand on her life, even though maybe sometimes she can't see that quite so clearly. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is with her, guiding her, 
whispering things in her ear to say to people and allowing her to demonstrate your love for others. We pray, Lord, for her, for, for wisdom, for patience, for guidance, Lord, too, for balance in the situation between home and work and getting that right. So we pray your blessing on her. And, Lord, for anyone else who's in this similar situation of juggling and maybe not having such a clear view ahead, that you would speak to them, you would give direction. We ask these things for your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Becky. Yes, that would be useful. Thank you. Very good. So the next one is slightly more interesting. Um, Tim Barton, when we first spoke about me. That's awful, isn't it? Sorry, Becky. I didn't. I meant as in. I'm not going to recover from that. Shall we start again? The next person I'm speaking to was more difficult to organize. That's what I meant to say. Thanks, Josh. Uh, purely because the person I'm speaking to isn't here. So this is a virtual one. Uh, some of you may remember I spoke to Andy Conroy. Uh, this is probably about a year ago, I guess. Uh, he was in a fairly high-powered job, and uh, we talked on stage, talked about some of the the difficulties and some of the interesting things that he has in his job. So I thought it'd be nice to have a follow-up conversation with him just to see where he's got to now. Turns out he's in a new job, um, probably working even more hours but further away, um, and partly the reason that he's not here. He's actually on holiday today. Um, so I thought rather than waiting until he was here or moving it around, I'd make a phone conversation and record it. So I've recorded an audio with him. We didn't actually manage to do it until Thursday evening, so big shout-out to the tech team for being patient with me. They're not getting into them until last night. Um, so, just as a background, I asked the same questions of, of Andy as I've just asked Becky. So, what are you doing this time tomorrow? What's your role? What do you enjoy? What do you find difficult? And then, how can we pray for you? So, it's only a very short clip, but hopefully, if Joy is able to press the button, we'll be able to listen to his answers. I'm now at the Leeds Building Society. I've taken over a 12-month contract role, um, and I'm the Chief Financial Officer. So um, it's probably the way that people think of that. In essence, I'm the finance director. The, the plan for Monday is that I'm going to be on holiday. <laughs> I'm not going to be working in lecture. Albeit, um, what I'll probably do on the first Monday I get back, um, uh, I'll, first of all, I'll have a one-to-one a, a -one with my, my PA just to set out my diary for the next week because it's very meeting-hungry. So I pretty much my entire week is booked out from nine to five in meetings, and then you're preparing for the meetings of the next day um, in on the evenings. So yeah. um, my Monday is kind of a, a direct reports meeting. So we have a team huddle with all the chiefs of the different areas: so chief operating officer, chief commercial officer, chief executive, chief financial officer, chief risk officer. So all the chiefs meet together and just. Uh, discuss what are the issues uh, that may be impacting the business. What are there any? Right. Are there any information they want to transfer around in between us um, to help each? You go into a pricing working group, so where we discuss our products and the prices that we're going to issue out to the market. So that's quite an involved meeting where you've got lots of work that's gone on in the background to determine what's the right price that we want to offer, both in our 
the products that we send out where people save with us and also the products that we're going to send out in terms of the mortgages that we offer to the market. And then we finish the day with um, another kind of two, two and a half hour meeting um, and, and Manco, which is a kind of a management committee, which is all the senior leaders across the team, uh, uh, along with all the chiefs, will um, sit down and, and discuss uh, key issues that might have emerged and kind of setting out some strategies take the business forward. I think the bits that I enjoy the most actually are the bits where I think some of the strategizing things so when you're you're thinking about the future um, you're thinking about what are the things that we can do differently so it involves often um, kind of reaching out and, and understanding how um, our customer base might grow and what we can do to support right. that customer base um, when I say customer base, it literally is Joe Blocks in the street, so somebody who wants a mortgage. Yeah. And what can we do to help that person to own their own home? Um, and then the other side of it is the saving side. So um, if somebody wants a safe place to keep their the money that, they've, um, that they're saving. So I find the strategy side yeah. part of things really interesting in terms of just stepping back and thinking what could we do differently, what could we make better? Uh, that part of it I yeah. find really interesting. I, th- I think the things that I find tough and difficult is, uh, is all of the plates that I have to juggle. So that there is so much work to do. There are so many. I have, I think, 85 people that report through to me. Um, and and in, in amongst there's obviously layers of control with different levels of management. But everybody seems to want a piece of you. So everybody wants a, a decision made or they want just your opinion, or they want direction. And to be able to, to kind of jump from one task to the next task, so you'll be almost meeting, well, I don't know, 10 to 12 people a day in terms of short, quick meetings, and all of them want an answer. So to be able to kind of maintain, I think, the pace, and to be able to give the quick, quick real-time answers actually becomes quite difficult because you're juggling from one thing to the next. I think the thing, I do crack on with what's in front of me, but I, I can't forget that it's God that's got me here and it's God that's going to get me through this. Because um, there are times in right. my career that I have relied on my own strength sometimes. And as soon as I do, I seem to come unstuck. Um, <laughs> and I think the stress levels rise. And, and it's that, those, those are the points where you stop and think, actually, what you're looking at is this real? Um, yeah. Because you're looking at it through human eyes instead of looking at it through God's eyes. Um, yeah. So how do I maintain my faith? I have to keep him at the centre. The difficulty is when your brain is is thinking about multiple things to try and yeah. stop yeah. for a second and and just take that 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 pace off and just really kind of think, God, just I need your insight here. I need your direction. I need your support. So an example would be I've just this second walked out of a board meeting. So it started at nine and finished, what, one, you know, kind of 5.40. So literally the entire day. And I've spent my fourth week here and I'm already presenting a board for the entire board of directors. And I think I wouldn't have been able to do that if I I wasn't relying fully on his strength getting through it. And I think that's the key thing is to is for me to understand my skills and my experience, yes. the things that I think he's created in me, but don't think that they're, they're mine, they are there because of him. And so focus and, and rely on him is the key thing for me.
Um, one of the things that I think I got into trouble for last time was uh, asking your good wife to come up on stage and play with her. How you found things with uh, with her and, and her supporting of you in this, this new role? She's a fantastic support. I can honestly say I would never be able to do what I'm doing um, if, it, if it wasn't for her. So Because I do... I, I wake up in the morning at half five on Monday morning. I'm on the train and I'm in Leeds um, kind of by nine o'clock and I stay away actually for three nights before coming back on Thursday night and working from home. And so I think without Esther's support and also the understanding of my boys that that, that I I wouldn't be able to fulfil this role. So she is um, alongside God, my rock, so she's, yeah. she's the one that I know that on the evenings I can give her a call or a FaceTime and I can offload a little bit and she offloads vice versa. So we maintain yeah. that relationship, but, but we, there is a real, I think the, the balance that we've got within our life has to work. Otherwise, one yeah. thing's got to change and, and that could be that my, my job needs to change. But getting that yeah. balance right is, is, is actually something that um, from a prayer perspective that it would be a fantastic cover for me in terms of helping right, to maintain yeah. that balance and keeping that balance right because it does have a detrimental yeah. impact on relationship obviously with the distance so there you go interesting I didn't know you could juggle plates I thought you had to spin them either way not a not an easy job and an awful lot of chiefs I noticed in that conversation lots of very senior people so again it may be very different to our normal day today. Certainly nothing like mine. And there may be other people who are in a similar senior position. But there's some different challenges there that, that Andy faces, not least of which being away four days a week and then coming home. So that's, that's a challenge with balancing home life and so forth. So maybe we'll pray at the end when we're together for people that are in that sort of situation too. Now I'm just looking at uh, my next guest and realizing that he has a very small person on his lap. Do you want to bring her with you? <laughs> I think Michelle's coming to rescue you. So my last guest uh, is Wayne Price. Would you give Wayne a welcome when he comes up? Morning, all. Are you on? Am I on? Are we on? That's all right. Give me a second. Just a second. Try again. Hello. Oh, yes, we're there. Morning, all. Good. So, Wayne, thank you for for joining me. Tell me what you're going to be doing this time tomorrow. Well, it's my birthday tomorrow. And as my birthday was always in the uh, summer holidays, I've made it a rule as an adult to never work on my birthday. (laughs) I think I did it for one year, and it was cruel and unusual. And I vowed to never do it again, so... There's probably a really important meeting tomorrow that I'm supposed to be a part of, but, you know. You're not there. No, I'm not there. <laughs> so what are you um, going to be doing? I think we're going um, to finally buy me some new clothes, because since I've had kids for two and a half years, I haven't had any. You're so, down the pecking order yeah. somewhere. Uh, anybody else relate to that? <laughs> um, but... Uh, so if, okay, so not tomorrow. Give me an example of a yeah. Monday. So my first Monday back, I will be... Um, working just over in the Pensnet Trading Estate, which is five minutes away from here, um, as the head of finance for a quite a large printing and IT company. Um, so I won't go through in detail really what, what that job involves because there's 
a similar amount of, of things that um, Andy Conway said. Um, I don't pretend to be in as highly pressured or regulated environment as Andy. He's a lot more senior than I am. But I do have, um, I have about 30 people that kind of report through into me. They all want a bit of your time. You don't really get to do what you enjoy anymore in terms of I became a finance person, an accountant to actually do accounting and you get past the level at a certain point where you get to do that anymore. You just have to manage everybody else who gets to do it. So it's, um, I mean, that, that element has its own challenges. But I think that the difference in, in my situation um, that I think Eric has asked me to do this for is that I work for um, an individual um, I mean, the company turns over about, you know, just under 100 million, so it's a, it's a big company, um, but it's owned 100% by one person. So it's, you know, it's like his, his thing, his baby. And he's um, a very difficult, difficult individual to work for. I've basically, after, after a honeymoon period, I guess, of about three months where, where he was obviously pretending to, to be nice to me. <laughs> So that, I so that I couldn't go back to my old job. Um, he, he basically became quite abusive and for the last 18 months, I would say, there's been a, a constant barrage of, of mental and verbal abuse um, to me and, and a few other people, kind of senior in the business, um, to be fair. And it ranges from... It ranges from being called a different name, uh, different, you know, swear word every kind of couple of times a day. He asked me to um, get back to work when I told him that Amy was in labour because he said that I didn't give him enough warning that she was, uh, she was having the baby. Uh, he asked me to go in and look at a stock issue on Christmas morning. Um, he emailed everybody that I have to speak to in my role and basically apologized for my incompetence because he couldn't afford to get anyone better. Like it's a, it's a, tough, um, it's a tough environment to be a part of. So that being the case, somebody's normal reaction would probably be to say, stick that I'm off. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't appear to have been yours. Yeah, so for basically the last couple of years since Milo was born, I was working in, in Birmingham city center and I was doing relatively long hours. I mean, nothing like what Andy's doing, you know, four days away. But I wasn't, um, I wasn't really seeing Milo awake much in the week. You know, getting out about seven, half seven in the morning, coming back maybe seven, seven in the evening. You know, she was, she was in bed both of those times. Right. And it, it was basically, you know, going from the start of the week till the end till I really saw her kind of awake and happy, I guess. And... At that time in my life, probably for the last 10 years before this last period, I've been very selfish and only really chasing what I wanted to chase and just asking God for things when I wanted things, which you know, I'm sure a few other people can relate to as well. It kind of just turns, turns into a magic genie rather than you know, our Lord and Savior. But um, I basically said to him one day, God, can you please give me a job where I can see my daughter? I don't think that's too much to ask. And even though I didn't deserve it and it was, you know, I had all the wrong kind of motives in, in terms of approaching God for, for this, he, he blessed me and gave me this job that was five minutes away from home and I got to see Myla and now Maeve for 
you know, a good couple of hours every day, which is a blessing, um, a blessing for me, especially in the job that I do. And as soon as everything started to fall apart, you know, three or four months in, I kind of got really angry with God and just said, why, why did you trick me into thinking that this was a really good thing to do? <laughs> and now I'm just, you know, I'm miserable. Um, I've lost all my confidence. You know, I, I didn't have the confidence to do anything at work because I don't know if anyone's familiar with the, the term gaslighting, but that, that's kind of what it's like. You know, he makes you feel like everything that you've done um, was wrong and he doesn't respond to logic or factual evidence. So even if you prove that you're actually right and you did what he asked, they'll still make you feel terrible about it. So my confidence was on the floor. I was getting angry with my wife, angry with, uh, with my kids. You know, I just wasn't living a good life at all. So it basically came to breaking point and I just cried out to God one day. Um, you know, basically, why have you done this to me? And really clearly, really clearly, more, more clearly than I've ever seen or felt God speak to me before, he said to me, I'm showing you everything that you think you want to be. And I just kind of pulled the car over. I mean, it's only a 10-minute journey for me, but I just pulled the car over, and I just thought, what just happened? And then all the, all the kind of motives that I've been living my life by, trying to get more money, trying to get higher up, trying to um, have more power and authority, all these things. God had put a person in my life that has all of these things and more. You know, we're, we're talking multi, multi-millionaire, hundreds of millions in the bank, as much material possessions as you could, you could wish to have. And he's just deeply, deeply unhappy, unsatisfied, mean, unreasonable, and, and lost, I think is the, the biggest word to use. And God just really clear, clearly showed me that that's what I thought that I wanted to be. That's how I was living my life, and that was the path that I was on. Ouch. And he said, I, I kind of feel like I need to put you where you are to show you that you need to take a step backwards and take a different path. Wow. And it was a, quite a harsh reality <laughs> to, uh, I'll say. To, yeah, to face. So, so long story short, I guess, I've been praying for the last two years that God shows me what he needs to show me from, from being in this situation. And whenever somebody, whenever I, I do tell people about it, and whenever they ask me uh, if they can pray for me to find a new job or, you know, to get out of the situation, I always say, no, I want you to pray that God has his will and shows me what he needs to show me. Because the last 18 months have brought me completely back to God and back to a mindset of, eternal thinking rather than um, living for what's now and if I had to go through the last two years kind of another 50 times before I die if I'm lucky enough to live to 130 <laughs> then um, <laughs> then I would do it for you know the eternal savings that, that God offers and, and his grace so I still pray that God does what he needs to and shows me what he needs to show me um, the verse that he gave me the other day. Sorry, Eric, I haven't so, given you the chance to um, no, no, ask right. any questions. but you, You've answered them all. <laughs> the verse that he showed me the other day was Matthew twenty six thirty nine, And I'm not even pretending to compare the situations here, but Jesus was sitting in the wilderness um, preparing for his death, essentially, his upcoming death, and Judas was about to betray him. 
And he just prayed out to God and said, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken away from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. And basically, if Jesus in that situation, facing everything that he was facing, can say, I would really like this to be taken away. I would really like it to stop. But if it's your will that it continues, then I'm completely on board with that. And that's, after a tough period, that's where my heart is now. So if he opens another door for me and asks me to move away somewhere, I'll do that. If he wants me to stay where I am, you know, put up with what I'm putting up with to to further cement my place in eternity, then and that's okay too. That's okay too. Tremendous. That really is good. So there's a challenge to us all, eh? Thank you for your honesty. Shall we pray for Wayne? Father, I thank you for Wayne. I thank you for putting him where you've put him. And thank you also, Lord, for opening his eyes to that and allowing him to see your hand on his life even when it's awful. Lord, thank you for the encouragement he is to us, to me, in seeking first the kingdom of God and not his own wealth, success, or any of the material things. Thank you for this object lesson that, that Wayne is, is living at the moment. I pray your blessing on him, Lord. I pray your peace. I pray your protection. I pray strength for him, Lord, to be able to deal with this situation. And Lord, as we prayed for Becky and for, we pray for Andy too, pray for your direction, Lord, that you will move them where you want them to be and allow them to be open to your voice. So thank you, Lord, for Wayne. Pray that you bless him richly and his family too. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Thank you, Wayne. <laughs> Superb. That was really good. So I think we've probably run over by a couple of minutes, but uh, it would be really good if we can on your tables. You're probably with people you may not have sat with before. Uh, and maybe take a couple of minutes to, to talk together. Maybe share about how these three stories have impacted you, if there's any similarities with your, yours, and if possible, to pray together. Um, I don't know whether Joy is able to play a song that um, I found uh, online, which has really encouraged me recently. It's called Ghost by a band called Mercy Me. Very clear words, and it's talking about the Holy Ghost. And if you listen to those three stories that we've heard, the thread running through them all is that God's working in the background, sometimes audibly, rarely, but sometimes there, often in situations, often in doors opening, often in feelings, often in things you read. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is there as our guide and our comforter. So if you, if you hear this song playing and you listen to the words, maybe try and Google it. It's, it's quite a powerful song. So please talk together, pray together, and then in a couple of minutes I'll pull it together and we'll have some ice cream together. Thank you very much. There's a ghost, there's a ghost inside of me, not like those dreams in old bed saying trick or treat. Different 
Lead me through the 